0: To Care the Load podcast, we are so excited to have Gloria Battini with us today. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. <laughs> As you can tell from her accent, she's from the UK. I love speaking to people with accents. My children give me a hard time because they say that I start speaking with an accent when I'm talking to people with an accent. Mm-hmm. So if I do that, just know I am... St- not trying to do it, it just kind of happens.
1: But remember, it's Gloria that thinks that we have the accent.
0: That's right. So. <laughs> you know what, though?
2: It's just so curious because I do the same with accents. So we are, I think
0: it's going to be a good mix. <laughs> Gloria believes, and I love this mission about her, that happiness comes from growth. Amen to that, Gloria. She says, use fear as your fuel, don't let it stop you from moving forward. Gloria is an emotional wellness coach who helps women heal from emotional abuse for good and go from breakup to breakthrough. Gloria is also a woman on a mission, a mission of healing, empowering, and giving a voice to all survivors of emotional abuse, toxic relationships, and narcissistic abuse. Gloria walked out of a toxic relationship after almost 15 years. She was overcome with severe anxiety and OCD and was in the hands of a narcissist. She knows what it feels like to be trapped, scared, thinking that it's all your fault and seeing no way out. Welcome, Gloria.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The first time I read about you, I just thought, wow. What a strong woman, because I can only imagine what it took for you to walk out of this relationship, a relationship where he did have the power over you. I have friends that have been in in narcissistic relationships, and it has taken them years to be able to take that step to move forward to heal. But here you are now helping others. If you'll just share a little bit about your story, Mm -hmm. and then we can move forward in how you now help others. Yeah, yeah. With pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, So,
2: well, I was in this relationship. The the thing that I would really like to uh, highlight is the fact that, yes, the relationship was 15 years um, but those fifteen years were between the age of eighteen and thirty-two, which is when we grow into women. Isn't it? So it's, yes. it's very crucial years from your late teenage to your early thirties, where you actually start discovering your identity, who you are as a woman, and uh, and being in, in in an abusive relationship at that time. Uh and this is something that I experienced that that I um see in, in the people that I help as well. Um at that age, it didn't actually give me the chance to build the identity as a woman for myself. And a lot of them have experienced relationships relationship in their thirties, they still experience the loss of the identity that they created. So it's really very deep manipulation you know it's uh, it's something that takes away your essence <laughs> that's the only way honestly i can describe it um but i um it wasn't even i wasn't even aware of what was going on for a lot of the 15 years you know for great part of that i wasn't i wasn't aware that the relationship was abusive i just thought that every relationship has ups and downs And, you know, I didn't think I was being manipulated. I was so young when we started dating as well, that it was actually my first, uh, well, I did have a boyfriend before, but it was my first, like, more serious relationship. So I just thought that that's what it was, you know. But then we moved, I'm originally Italian, actually, and we moved together um, to the UK, to London, and uh, I started working in events. And I worked in the events industry here in in central London for about ten years, and um, I started experiencing severe anxiety and OCD. And I thought, from conversations that I was having with him, uh, that the anxiety and the OCD were job related. They were not; <laughs> they were definitely not job related. But anyway, I decided to it got to a point where I couldn't. I I couldn't deal with that anymore. I couldn't handle it. So I went to see a coach who specialized in anxiety and she helped me a lot overcome my OCD. And I worked with this coach for 18 months and uh, uh, halfway through, I I actually had dropped half of the OCDs that I had. So when you drop that and when you drop that level of anxiety, even if you've only dropped half of it, you gain clarity. So the space that was occupied by the anxiety and the OCD is now occupied by this clarity that you have and you start seeing things as they are. So I started noticing, oh, but but that thing that he's doing, that's not right. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't fit, sit very well. And I started voicing it. And that's when I realized, oh, goodness. This is so much worse because as I was voicing, I was trying to communicate what I wasn't happy with. You know, there were all sorts of financial issues, uh, you know, uh, smoking addiction uh, from him, like, you know, all these sort of things that I wasn't happy with. And I said, Look, we're married. I want to make this work, but these are things that are not, I don't see would give us a, a good future. And that's when the gaslighting started. It's just something that you're imagining it is not as much of an addiction. You know, it's uh, this is just what you think. You know, there's ups and downs in all relationships. This is just how we are, you know, all these sort of things. And then the more I was dropping the, the OCDs and the anxiety, the more those things became prominent and very clear. So, yeah, so it was it was a realization throughout.
1: Gloria, I think you bring up a really great point there in the fact that uh, you didn't realize where your anxiety was coming from. Mm-hmm. Was there a point where you had that epiphany as to where the anxiety was coming from? Was there one day that you woke up and realized, wow, this isn't just job related. This is something much, much deeper than that. How were you able to determine that? Was it through professional help? Was it through uh, just, just realizing finally that uh, maybe this was something that wasn't normal?
2: Um, yeah, I think rather than it being one moment, I think it was that process of growth. So as I was learning, cause, cause when you work with a coach, yes, I was working specifically on my anxiety, but obviously that's all self-discovery, right? So you, you discover what you like, what you don't like. And, um, it was a process. So the more I got closer to myself, so to, to who I am, to who I was, the more these questions came up, you know, like, is he the right person? Is he actually doing this? Is he... So it was a process. It was not one moment. It definitely was a process. Um, but, uh, yes, it was very much a continuous thing for a few months. Um, and I believe also, just, just, just to finish this, I, I believe also that um, instincts don't lie. And I and I always had that question mark there, but I Great don't point. believe I was ready to look at it yet. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it it really it really does. And you're right, instincts don't lie.
0: Instincts that tells us, and we're I, I believe we're born with that. That helps us to understand. But without that clarity, you know, you talked about the clarity that came as you were able to overcome some of these OCDs and your anxiety lessened. And as you were working on yourself to better yourself and to be able to improve it's you know, when you live with anxiety, that is not a way to live. And so you, that's why you saw, I mean, I love the whole thought process with this because you sought help for you to be able to function better. It oh, yeah. wasn't for you to be able to say, oh, this is what's wrong. You know, over here in this whole other thing, that wasn't what you were thinking was going on. But as you you healed, yeah, that clarity came in, yeah. and then that that instinct, that soul, that within, that told you, hmm, you know, that's that's not the way we treat each other. That's not that's not right. Yeah. And so I think that that is just a a light bulb for me as we all need to, to nurture ourselves. It it comes down to that, to self care is what you were really doing when you, you sought out a coach.
2: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I completely agree with you uh, with what you're saying about the instincts. They are our essence, right? But so imagine, imagine it like peeling an onion, right? You get to the very center of it. And imagine all the layers on top being those anxieties, those, you know, emotional abuse. Those are the things that have got nothing to do with your essence, but they're just there as layers. So as you seek out help because you cannot cope with those many layers on, then you start peeling off those layers and, and, you know, your, your soul self comes out more and more and more until it, it eventually sees light. You know, it eventually comes to the surface, so it's super important. Uh, it's and you know, I I feel um, a lot of the of the people that I help and a lot of the people that I speak to as well, they have this notion. Uh, it seems to be like I cannot take time for myself because that's
0: just selfish. It is not. <laughs> Please, it really is not. Is that just something we as women have an issue with? Because I. I hear it over and over that we feel like if we are not busy all the time helping others, then we're being selfish.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not. No, it's absolutely not. And, and I'll tell you more. When you are in a healthy relationship, or even if you're single, because you don't necessarily have to be in a relationship to, to live a happy life, N- not at all. Uh, so, but when you, when you are surrounded by healthy relationships, you know, friends, family, because obviously narcissistic abuse and emotional abuse happens at work in friendships, in families It's not only, I mean, my example is, is an intimate relationship, but it's not only where it ends, you know, that that's not there. Um, so, w- but when you have healthy relationships around you, if you, it is, the most amazing act of love that you can do to actually put yourself first. Because if you do that, the quality and the energy and the time that you give out to the people that you love, is going to be a hundred times, a million times greater than what you could give them if you didn't put yourself
0: first. I completely agree. It's that deeper true love of not only self, but of our friends and others and, and people can feel it. They can feel that it is genuine. It is not based on anything that because they want this or they want that, but it truly just is this genuine love back to the beginning of of your story. We talked about how people don't know their identity Mm -hmm. and, um, Needing to find who we are. Again, it's something that I think so many have, they don't understand who they really are deep down inside. They, they think they're the wife or the mother or the, you know, the coworker, but they don't really understand who they are at the essence. And, and so it's peeling off those layers. I think it would just I couldn't do it all at once. There's just no way. But as I learned layer by layer, it worked. So how do you help others peel those layers? Yeah. So, you
2: know, everybody has got different layers on, <laughs> okay? As much as everybody has an essence and everybody has an identity, we all have different layers on. But ultimately, it comes down to having a look. So there's a quote by Tony Robbins that I really love and it goes, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. So if you cannot find yourself, have a look at who you have around you. Ultimately have a look at those relationships, because if you are with people that are pushing you to be yourself, that are encouraging you, that are showing you things that you might not necessarily notice yourself at first, like you're really good at something. For example, you know, you, you're really good. I mean, I recently um, read—I don't know if you read it—Green um, Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Wow. Uh, I, I actually got that on audiobook because it's got such a great. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Brilliant. I normally like to hold the book, but this one, I said I had to have it on audiobook. But anyway, so he said. Um, you know, he didn't want to be an actor at the beginning. He want he was starting to become a lawyer. And then somebody he got a, a, a small role in, in a movie or in a theater production or something. And somebody went to him and said, Have you thought of doing this professionally? Cause because it really suits you. It really feels like yourself is coming out in this profession. And that's the only moment that he started talking about. His whole life. He was thinking about becoming a lawyer. But when you are surrounded by those relationships, by those people that show you and push you towards the light, right? They push you towards being yourself and embracing yourself and maybe say, you know, I know you wanted to be a lawyer and I know you're studying this, but have you thought of that? How do you feel? And then you make the decision and look where he is now. I thought that was such a beautiful, uh, you know, experience to have. Uh, and I also think that he's one of the one of the uh, people that he is unapologetically himself, isn't he? So it's uh, it's just yeah. to to watch and witness.
1: This is a great conversation, and and I think that uh, you know before we came on, my, my my questions were more centered around what a narcissist uh, does, mm-hmm. uh, how a narcissist uh, leverages. That as an advantage over the other person there, but I I I sense that we're going into a conversation that's more about uh, what can we do, what what can a woman do, what can what can a man do? You said before we began that this is not just a woman issue. Oh no, there. But but how? I, I guess the question I would have is how can we how can we recognize the narcissist? That's around us. And and once we recognize who that person is, what are the beginning steps that we can make in order to not allow that person to dictate who we are?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's that's a great question. So uh, first of all, if we are talking about an intimate relationship or for, if we're talking about a closed uh, family relationship, like parents, children and stuff like that, um, I would definitely suggest to if you have the suspicion that what you're experiencing is toxic, definitely research, first of all, because you want to understand what those red flags are. You know, you want to understand those behaviors. Do you have somebody in front of you that is trying to um, confuse you? that every time you raise an issue, they are flipping it around and they're making you think that, no, you're imagining it. You know, are you with someone? Are they being verbally abusive? You know, are they comparing you to other people? So can you see the opposite? So instead of lifting you up and saying, go in this direction, I think you would be really good at this. They compare you to other people and say, I don't think you're as good as that person. You know, so it's really about noticing those red flags and noticing those behaviors. And then it comes back, it comes down to uh, going inwards. So protect yourself first. So if you realize that you are in an abusive relationship or that you are dealing with somebody with a narcissist in any way, um, you must put distance between you and the person. No matter who the person is, there must be distance. There must be a solid boundary. However, we know very well that relationships and family dynamics are not very easy. You know, there can be 15 years together. How do you do that? You know what I mean? There can be 20 years together. It can be your mom or your dad. How do you do that? So the first step, um, I mean, some people go completely cold turkey. And they're just like, as soon as they realize it, they're like, that's it. I'm out. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. And if you can do that, please do that. Because it's it's just going to accelerate the journey back to you, right? Um, but if you don't feel safe or if you don't feel like uh, you are entirely sure yet, whether that's actually like a full toxic relationship that you're experiencing or, you know, uh, cut out some time for yourself. So try to day by day dedicate a little bit of time to do something that actually nurtures your soul. And see because whatever nurtures your soul is going to connect you to the identity that you have within. And you will be able to and that brings more and more clarity. So to give you an example for I left after about a year or a year and a half after realizing what was going on, and um, what I did was uh, I, I felt the need to take time for me. I felt the need, like you were saying earlier, and that I felt that need to um, search me, you know, to, to 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 ask for for help and support. So I I used to work in central London, and it would take me. I had an hour bus journey to go to go to work every morning. So what I did, I decided, you know what, when I was little, I used to read a lot and I haven't been reading for years. So I utilized that hour in the morning on the bus, instead of being on social media or just listening to music, I would bring a book. And that was my hour for myself. Nobody else was there apart from the strangers and other commuters on the bus, but nobody who knows me, nobody who wanted to chat, you know, nothing at all. It was just my time. And even though it wasn't a crowded London bus, I would, you know, I had carved that little space for myself. And day after day after day after day, you know, I was reading, and for some reason, you see, the soul, the instincts. Never, ever, life. For some reason, every single book that I was reading, it was somebody about a character that was struggling with mental health. or <laughs> <laughs> It was always about those things. And I was recognizing myself. I was like, oh, my goodness, but that's how I feel. That's how I do. And I was picking those books without even knowing, right? And, uh, and that's what made me, what brought even more clarity. So, you know, if you feel like you, when you were little, if you played a sport, and you haven't been doing that for a long time, do that. Take an hour a week or take 30 minutes a day, however long you have, but reconnect to that child, reconnect to that person, because that's going to be your essence, and you're going to give that a chance to come out and see
1: more clearly. So, so taking back our lives I, I hear you loud and clear that that's a critical component to, to healing is taking back our lives. But, you know, the, the inevitable question, and we, we talk to a lot of people, we've talked to a lot of women who, and I'm sure you have as well, who will say something like this. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that I'm in an abusive situation. I recognize that I've got a difficult situation that I'm dealing with, but I just can't break away. Because of whether it's because of economics, whether it's because of of children or some other situation, so what we find is that the the courage to make those difficult decisions in our lives are, are almost debilitating. How do you deal with that when you're talking with women in a in a similar type of a situation?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I uh, uh first of all it's a very delicate conversation to have. It's not it's not an easy conversation to have because you you want to make the person feel safe and you don't want to push them away. So you don't want to you don't want them to be scared so that they are going to completely break away from from that and never wanting to seek help again, right? So uh-huh. it's very important that they are able to see that they, they, not they're able to see, but it's very important that they have the desire to make that change, okay? They say, look, I have no idea. I feel so overwhelmed. The kids, the finances, this and that. I really want to go, but I cannot see a way out. That's one story. But there's the other side of somebody who is actually not ready. And it's saying, you know, oh yeah, I would love to, but you know, the kids, this and that, and they don't have the same desire. Ultimately, every single person is in charge of their life and of their destiny. So to me, who I want to help as many people as I can, when I come across somebody who doesn't want to, it breaks me, you know? It's it's somebody who is giving up on themselves. And I cannot I, I can't. It's it's just so breaking. It's it is it is you know, it's like you're taking that little flame, that little essence that is inside you, and you're just going, no, you know. And I have friends like that, unfortunately. And uh, but you know what? I trust people i trust humanity and i trust that one day when they're ready whatever is going to happen they are going to wake up and turn it around wake up in a way that uh, sorry i'm saying that in a very positive way you know they're they're gonna they're gonna see uh the uh, with clarity and and they're gonna turn this around um but there is one um exercise it because obviously you know on social media and stuff it's a beautiful platform because you reach people that they might be ready they might be not but you still can say your message <laughs> right mm-hmm. you can right still inspire and you can still in- encourage so I feel that it's 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 a very powerful thing and sometimes they're not prepared to have a one-to-one conversation but they're prepared to listen or to watch a video you know because they it's it's okay. There's nobody else involved, rather than themselves, which is beautiful. And um, I always say, uh, first of all, we are in charge of our lives. And then there's an exercise that I like to do, and uh, is, it's called the rocking chair exercise. It's it's the rocking chair. I can't remember if it's an exercise or experiment, but it's it's an exercise that we use in coaching. And um, it's about closing your eyes and thinking ahead, thinking in the future. You are 120 years old, 95 years old. You're on the porch of the perfect house of your dream. You're sat on a rocking chair. You're sipping a tea, a coffee, or eating an ice cream, whatever that is. And you have the chance to look back at the movie of your life. What would you like that movie to be? What would you like to see? What would you like people to say about you? What would you like to be remembered for? And where are you now? Are you on that road? Are you on that path? Because if you're not, it's only going to take your decision to put yourself on that path. Right? Ultimately, it's, it's our decisions at the end of the day.
0: It is ultimately our decisions, which takes the healing to be able to understand that we have that strength within to take that step because until there's the healing that takes place, we can hear, we can learn, you know, from all these other experiences and friends suggesting certain things, books that we've read that relate. We can see ourselves in the stories and the characters, but until we heal to a degree, so we have to take these steps those layers of healing so that we can have that light within flicker Mm -hmm. brighter and brighter until we have that courage to take that step forward.
2: Yeah. You know also what it is, and it's the first step. And I always say when you've done this step, you're halfway through. And it's the awareness. Awareness is the first thing because it puts the ball in your hand. You know, you wake up to it, you're suddenly aware and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was happening. What am I going to do with this? And it's your game. The ball is in your, in your, in your half of the, of the court, you know, there is, Uh it's completely yours. So what are you doing with that? What's been given to you? You know, I'm very, I've always feel very, um, uh, an urgency in life. You know, it's very short and very long at the same time. And I feel that with the time that we're given here, why would you want to be scared? What makes you want to be scared?
1: You know, I was listening to you talking about that uh, rocking chair therapy Mm -hmm. or or analysis there. And and as you were sharing that about thinking, forward thinking, I was thinking about what do I think about when I'm not thinking, mm-hmm. and and that might seem odd, but uh, the, the the answer was I often think about the past versus the future, mm-hmm. and and I think you have really hit on something there about the importance of visualization, the importance of vision. Uh, we we talk a lot about vision and about clarity and uh, how important that is, and it's difficult to make a change if we don't have a vision of what that change might look like. Yeah. And so let's go back for a second. I, I, as, you were, as Annette was uh, sharing your, your bio, one of the sentences that uh, she used was, you use fear as your fuel. Now, that might seem a little bit counterintuitive to some people who might think that you should use hope as your fuel. Why would you use that word fear as your fuel?
2: Because the, f- the fear is the thing that can stop you. Hope cannot. So, if you turn around the thing that stops you and you use it as your fuel, it's not going to stop you anymore, right? So, fear is about memory. Okay. We are afraid of something because we either heard that it's bad and that it hurts, or because we experienced it in the past and it hurt and we don't want to experience it again right so our brain is sending us don't do that it's you know it's it's going to it's going to be bad don't do it right um but it could also be something that makes you feel uncomfortable you know it, it could be something that you have to take a step like starting your own business or applying for a certain job that it's outside of your comfort zone now when, if you get the thing that you want to do that's outside of your comfort zone, what's that going to bring to your life? Growth, which is happiness, right? So, if you let fear stop you, you let growth stop. But if you feel afraid, and the moment you feel afraid, you use it as a signal that what's on the other side of that might be really amazing you're going to go like, oh yes, I'm all in, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so I know I use it a lot. Um, you know, now, now I, I started my, I went coaching full time, but before, as I said, I worked in events for 10 years and there are things as, as a business owner that I do every single day that I might not feel very comfortable, but then I think, oh, hang on. Yes, I got to do it. Because if I'm afraid, it means that there's something really, really good on the other side. So I got to push through and do
1: it. You know, it's a great point.
0: It is. It's something that I, I was to, went to lunch yesterday with some friends and we haven't done much of that getting together over this last you know year plus because of the pandemic and things. And it was so nice to be gathered with these women because they are women that have, I've surrounded myself with that that help me be better help me to want to become better and part of the discussion was this fear that a friend was feeling because she knew something was ahead she knew she wasn't that she was supposed to do something but she was a little she was fearful of what that meant and it was it was almost stopping her, but as we were able to to talk, all of us together and share our thoughts and and um, ideas, all of a sudden she had this little this switch, where that fear went from stopping her to propelling her. It became the fuel. So it's interesting how I had that visual yesterday in in what it really did in in someone's life that that we could see and we said you know let us know we mm-hmm. want to know what is on the other side yeah we want to we want to be a part of the journey so so help us to understand cuz she's she knew there was she doesn't know exactly what that is mm-hmm. but she knew she was going there and that's you know mm-hmm. was that fear and so it's it's mm-hmm. so interesting in life how that fear can either stop us Mm -hmm. or it can propel us. Mm -hmm. And, and I've had many years of it stopping me. And, and I had to learn that, that, you know, just like you said, when that fear comes up, why am I going to push through it and use it to push through, you know, or what is it? And so we're just grateful for that. This has been, really an interesting, interesting conversation. And, and one that I hope people will take these nuggets that they'll do the research, like you suggested. So what are those red flags? Yes. You know, because they need that. Is there a specific place they can go or that you would suggest for them to research, to find those red flags? Is that something that you have tips on your website? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do. I actually
2: have um, something that they can download for free on my website, uh, which is called How to Get Over a Narcissist for Good. And it actually explains why narcissistic abuse is so dangerous, because it literally... You know, what we said about the identity literally takes away the essence of who you are, which is the worst thing that you can do to a person. Um, But then it describes really the red flags and also what you can do when you find out and, you know, how to to help yourself out of the relationship. So there's definitely something that they can download on my uh, website, the selfmasterycoach.co.uk. And uh, there is a free download, it's straight away there at the top. So, so it's, it's easy and uh, yeah, and it's, it's very useful. But um, yeah, some of the red flags um, is uh, definitely when they um, become uh, really hostile in terms of you voicing what's not good or what you're not okay with somebody that doesn't let you do that, somebody that doesn't accept your, you know, your desire to communicate those things, that is definitely a red flag. Absolutely. Um, Anything that gives you discomfort in the relationship, even intimate things, you know, uh, things that make you feel uncomfortable, those are all things that, you know, a healthy relationship is somebody that you can be open with, that you don't need to be scared of. If you feel like you have to walk on eggshells when you're around them, that's a massive red flag as well. Uh, but there's definitely a, a lot more on the on the on the download um, for them to look at for sure. Um, yeah,
0: thank you, and we will put a link to your website in
1: our show notes, so it'll be simple. You know, for people to
0: find that there as well.
1: You you, you know what I find, Annette, as we're having this conversation. You know, I I you know me, I, I like analogies and mm-hmm. I and I like symbols. And uh, the analogy that I that I think of here is is that there are too many of us that get stuck in the mud. Uh, we 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 get our car and, and you know what happens with the wheels when we get stuck in the mud? They just spin and spin and spin. And I think that there are so many people out there, and, and even today, and, and while we've been talking about relationships and, and narcissism, this whole idea of anxiety goes much much further than just relationships. We've we've all seen anxious behavior. We've we've all had anxious behavior during the last thirteen months as we've had to change the way that we do things. Yeah. Uh, could you just maybe give us a couple of quick ideas as to how you deal with anxiety and and anxious situations and to make those situations less anxious?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So when we're dealing with anxiety, it's very, very important that you change your focus. So if something gives you anxiety, it's because you're focusing on the thing right? So you're focusing on the external rather than focusing on yourself. So it's very important that first thing you do, that you change the thing and you focus on yourself and you check in with your emotions, with your state, how you're feeling. Okay. First of all, that's the most important thing. So don't, don't look out outward, but inward always. That's the first thing to check in with yourself and then be very forgiving, of yourself because sometimes when we feel anxious about certain situations and stuff we we almost feel like we are wrong for feeling anxious you know it's like why am I feeling like this I don't have a right to feel that you have a right to feel any way you're feeling it is your birthright okay so be forgiving towards yourself and be patient and, uh, um, you know, especially with, with the past uh, 13 months that, that we've experienced, you know, a, a lot, of, I've come across a lot of people that are not comfortable in necessarily going out yet, but they feel embarrassed, you know, to talk about it because they don't know what people are going to think if they're not ready. That is, you're focusing on the outside, focus on your needs. What do you need? Do you need to stay home for another week? Then do that. Allow yourself to feel this discomfort and just, you know, deal with the, feel those emotions and be very forgiven towards yourself. And another thing when it comes to anxiety is to uh, take uh, small steps. So we often get anxiety because we straight away see the big picture. Right. So we we are we instead of saying, I don't know, somebody um, I'm gonna use again, I'm gonna use the same example for the past 13 months, but you might get anxiety if you live outside of the city and you think about going into the city, you might get anxiety thinking about their journey, right? So prepare yourself. So if it gives you discomfort to go all the way there. And you know that you have to go all the way there in a week and there is no way of you not going, then go out on the first day and go up to the bus stop and then go out the second day and go a little bit further. Train yourself because the brain um, accepts what's familiar, whether that's good or bad it accepts bad things because they're familiar too. So so get your brain accustomed to what's going to happen, right? So get get it to see slowly, step by step, by step.
1: We 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 kind of end where we began, which is the importance of self-love.
0: Yeah. It is, and the thoughts of being kind to ourselves, being forgiving. And and the just the thought of that our brain accepts what's familiar yeah. and just that thought, you know, just things within all of a sudden I say, it does, it really does. And so there is this, this importance in value in training ourselves in whatever aspect of life. And, um, so many wonderful things here in this this conversation, Gloria. I really, really appreciate it. Is there anything before we end that you that we haven't discussed that you wanted to share? Um, you're not alone.
2: Whatever is happening to you right now, whatever you feel that is so big that you cannot deal with that. Or if you feel, oh my goodness, is this only happening to me? Why do I feel this way? You are 100% not alone. Know that. There is somebody somewhere that is going through the exact same thing. So you are never, ever, ever alone. So seek your people. Seek the people that, you know, if they are not in your, in your, surroundings right now, because you are in a family that is unhealthy, you know, that is, that is toxic for you, or you are in a relationship that is toxic. See and and seek those people that, that are actually your, your people, you know, the ones that, that, you know, there's always
0: someone like you always. There is always someone like us. And Gloria, thanks for being our people. (laughs) I, I really feel like, um, so much of what you said relates and is the message of care and the load, that we aren't alone and someone's been there before. So thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Gloria Battini as we discussed self-care, love, how to find our true essence in, in this journey of life. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become a part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen.